All right. So, as I said, we're going to start a new series. Now, you can go to the book of Galatians, chapter 3. And this is where we're going to, we're going to spend some time and some things here in Galatians. Um, but while you're going to Galatians, I'm going to quote for you John 8. And it's a familiar thing. Did you go to Galatians? I mean, but, but let me remind you of some things. Now, because this is the first in the series, I might jump around a little bit. Some things I'm not going to give as much explanation for. We'll bring some of the explanation in later in the series. Okay, but I want to, I want to get you focused on a few things today. But you, you're in Galatians, but John chapter 8, how many of you know in John chapter 8, verse um, 31 and 32, Jesus said this, if you abide in my word, what will happen? You are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Did Jesus say that? Is that true? Is, that, is it true that the truth will make someone free? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm not going to study that first. There's a lot more we could look at. But, but the truth he's talking about is the truth where? In his word. If you abide in my word. In fact, that word abide, it means to, 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 to literally means to stay in a particular place. If you stay, if you remain, if you keep yourself in the position of my word. What is what if someone doesn't do that? What if they don't keep themselves in in the position of the word? Does the rest of the phrase apply? If you abide in my word, this is you'll be my disciples indeed, and you, the person who's abiding in my word, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Who free? Who's you there? The person abiding in my word, the person remaining in the place of the word. There's a lot of people trying to get free and trying, oh, you know, you see it on London Underground's, the truth will make you free. Mm-hmm. Is, is that the case for everyone? Was Jesus saying the truth will make everybody free? No, he wasn't. He was saying the truth will make the ones free who are remaining in the place of his word because that's the truth he's talking about. Not an isolated phrase. So the word is connected to that truth, producing that freedom in someone's life. How many of you know there's a lot of Christians that are trying to get free in areas of their life and they're trying to do it every way possible apart from the word? Yeah. You say, what well, do you get in the word? You know what they say? Oh, yeah, no, I was in the word 10 years ago. I was around when they all were teaching, you know, but we moved on to other stuff now. Mm-hmm. Where did Jesus say, stay in the word up until, you know, a few years before I return and then just go after everything else? Forget about the word. Where's that verse? Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but in the last of the last days, my word will pass away too. No, no, that's not what he said. There is never a point you throw the word out. There is never a time where anything else gets lifted up above the word. Do you realize that in a lot of places, they are lifting other things up above the word? Okay. But what will happen if you lift up the word? What will happen if people say, oh, you know, the word, it gets boring after a while. You ain't reading it right. Something wrong if the word bores you. There's something wrong if the if somebody thinks I had people say oh, teaching's dry. I'm like, you clearly ain't listening to good teaching. Because <laughs> you know there's life in the word, there's healing, there's strength, there's renewing in the word, there's power in the word. 
I could preach the whole time on this and I don't want to. But there is the power of God is contained in the word of God. And we're supposed to abide and live and walk in the word. One of the greatest challenges God has ever had. In fact, he's had this challenge since the Garden of Eden. Is to raise up a people who will live by his word. Yeah, God can split Red Sea. It's no problem for him. He can make manna appear on the ground every morning. That's easy for God. Do you know, we, we get impressed by miracles. We get impressed by things happening. God's not that impressed by any of that. Do you know, that, you remember when, the, when, when Jesus sent his disciples out? And, it said, and, and, and they cast out demons. They came back to them and said, Whoa, demon, demons are subject to us in, 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 your, in, in your name. And you know what? We read this wrong. We say, you see, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I personally think Jesus is like, he's very casual. Like, so what? So you're excited you're, you saw demons cast out. He said, I was there when I saw he fell from heaven. That was impressive. But you know what? That's not that impressive. I'll tell you what's really impressive. But your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's what's really impressive. I get the impression Jesus wasn't that impressed that they were casting demons out. That's what he told them to do. Oh, they have demons cast out in that church. We should all go there. That's not the most impressive thing. You know what really impresses God? There's a day where, where it says um, people will stand before him and they'll say, we prophesied in your name. We cast demons out in your name. And he doesn't say, whoa, these are the people I've always been looking for. He says, he says, actually, what I'm looking for are people who do the will of my father. And the very next parable he tells after that parable is the man who built his house on the rock which was doing the word. Ever since Genesis, God has been trying to find people who will live by walking and apply and, and, and walk in the power of his word. It's the one thing he couldn't get Adam and Eve to do. They just couldn't follow one sentence. It's what he couldn't get them to do in the children in, in, in the wilderness. They had every, they, in the wilderness, they had Moses, the most, one of the most anointed prophets in the Bible. I say one of because, you know, God, Jesus said John the Baptist was the greatest prophet, didn't he? But Moses, one, one powerful ministry of Moses. There was no lack of anointing in, in the wilderness church. <laughs> the Bible does call it the church in the wilderness. They were blessed. There was no curse on them. They, they had Red Sea splitting. I mean, they came out of plague, you know, the plagues in Egypt. They had some of the most spectacular miracles in the Bible. God was able to do all of that. You know, the one thing he couldn't get them to do was obey a few simple instructions. God couldn't make them do that, but... And that is what kept them out of the promised land. It was not lack of anointing, lack of powerful leadership, lack of, of the miraculous that kept them out of the promised land. It was lack of following the word. That's what kept them out of the promised land. You see a lot of Christians these days running around, oh, this is what we need in the church. This is what we need in the church. And I'm like, actually, what we need in the church is the word. And people will simply follow the word and will never let it go. Remain in the place of my word. Because that is what will set people free. The other things, the Bible says these signs will. Why is it all the church, all the Christians are running after the signs? They've got to, oh, look, look at this happening. No, 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 the signs follow you. You don't follow the signs. You follow. And how do you follow Jesus? Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, if you abide in my word. You'll be my disciple. Well, what's a disciple? Disciple is a disciplined follower of. How do you follow Jesus? By following his word. See, the signs follow you. We've got a church and everyone's following the signs. 
And they're following the, we want to go where the manifestations are. No, go where the word is. You follow the word. You follow Jesus. You give your life to the word. And you expect the signs to follow you. Do you know they came to Jesus and said, show us a sign. Show us a miracle. Remember that one? What did Jesus say? What did he say before that? An evil and adulterous generation seeks a sign. Are we supposed to be seeking signs? <laughs> no, we seek him. We seek his face. We seek his word. And you know what? The, the miraculous should be following us. Remember, remember when Lazarus and the rich man? Remember I heard the parable was debatable whether it's a parable or not. Some people believe it's an actual story. It's an actual event. But the, the rich man and Lazarus who died? Remember Jesus told the, the account of the rich man and, the, and Lazarus who died, and the rich man looks over and, and he sees he sees the 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 the, um, the, the beggar, the poor man in, in Abraham's bosom, and he says he says to Abraham, you know, I want my brothers up there to know this this place is real. Please send 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 Lazarus, <laughs> Lazarus and the rich man. So send Lazarus. See, he's in, he's he's in the hell, and he still thinks the poor Lazarus is at his beck and call to go and do what he wants. He's not changed in hell, has he? Still thinks Lazarus is his said, Send Lazarus! <laughs> he hasn't changed. Still got the same ungodly attitudes just because he's that down there. But anyway, that's beside the point. Send Lazarus, then he may go tell my brothers. And what, what, is, what does Abraham say? He says, they've got the law and the prophets. So if they won't believe those, they ain't going to believe someone raised from the dead. Is God looking for people who will run after signs, run after the manifestation of God and, 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 and get impressed when all that happens and, and, and then think that's where it's all at? Or is he looking for people who will abide in his word? What has Jesus said all along? Amen. Is there ever a point in Christianity where that no longer becomes applicable? No, the problem is not, we shouldn't be following the signs. The problem is we should be learning how to walk in faith so that the, the power of God manifests through us and the, the signs follow us. Yeah? Now, this is not my message, but I just wanted to talk about a bit of that about the truth will set you free. It's the power of truth. Did he say if you cry enough, you'll get set free? Did he say if you beg God enough, you'll get set free? Is it, is it, are there Christians that they think that's the way to get free? He said, if you get enough people to pray for you, you'll get free. Now, God in his mercy has helped some people and some people have got free because of their ignorance. They didn't know any other way to do it. I mean, if you know, when you're younger in the things of God, when you're a child, a human child, you help that child a bit. Anyone ever had children here? You've got a one-year-old. Do you expect them to do everything for themselves? No, you do some things for them. God's like that. Sometimes when people don't know any better, God, God will still move for them and come through them because they're younger in some things. But that is not his primary way to do some things of begging and, 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 and trying to get everyone to pray for you. God wants us to learn how to live by and function the word in our lives. And in the promises of his word are truths that show us when you walk in the truth of the word, freedom will come in your life in area. Healing will come in area and manifest in your life. Other things, is that true? 
That's why Jesus, the, the path that he's trying to get us on is the path where you walk in the word. And he said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. But so many people are resistant to that. And they keep wanting to go back to all the other ways where God just does it all for them. That's not actually how he's trying to get us to function. He's trying to get us to change our thinking, our believing, our speaking, operate in faith, operate in his word and, and see the manifestation of this. You have to become convinced that this works and live by it. Amen. Now let's go to Galatians 3. <clears throat> Galatians 3. This is where I, I'm, I'm going to start launching into a series. There's some things we're going to talk about because this is part of the truth. This is one of the aspects of the truth that we, we're going to start to talk about. We might be on this a while. How many of you understand that sometimes you've got to get yourself really established in some things? Having heard it years ago doesn't mean you're established in it. Knowing something, having the knowledge of something doesn't mean you've got to, you're established in it. Sometimes you've got to sit on a truth and camp on it. Even truths you've heard preached before. You've got to take a truth of the word. and You've got to spend time dwelling on it week after week after week. Building it into you to the point that it transforms you. It becomes part of your belief system. It becomes part of your consciousness. And, 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 and excite, you get excited about that truth. You think it, speak it, believe it every day. So we're going to camp on some things. Is that all right? It's not, it's not a new truth to a lot of you. In fact, most of you have probably heard it before. But does that mean you've seen everything there is to see in that truth? Just because you heard it before. No, no, no. There's always new stuff to see. Sometimes you can, a truth you heard 20 years ago, if you'll spend time in it, in the word, meditating it, build, you'll start to see some things you didn't see 20 years ago when you first heard it. Okay? So let's look at this. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 13 and 14. <clears throat> Christ has redeemed us. Has. Does that mean it's done? Yeah. Is this something he's still going to do? No. This, this is an accomplished fact. He's redeemed us. A lot of Christians won't have a problem with that. Oh, yes, Jesus redeemed me. Redeemed me from what? Oh, he redeemed me from my sins. Well, okay, that, it, there is an aspect of truth to that because there's other scriptures that talk about it. But is that all he redeemed you from? <coughs> In this passage, what does he say? Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, I'm not going to be able to today go into what the curse of the law is. We'll give you some brief aspects of it. But a curse, curse doesn't sound good, does it? How many of you, how many of you know the word curse, what's the opposite of curse? Well, he says it in verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. The, the, do you realize these two verses in Galatians 3, verse 13 and 14, are very significant verses? These are not just a little part of what you've got in Christ. This is very central to the core of the gospel. <laughs> just a few verses later, he re references and refers to the gospel. It says he preached the gospel to Abraham. <laughs> Galatians, the whole book of Galatians is written to this church, which has completely misunderstood the gospel because they've received false teaching. Galatians chapter 1, he talks about not hearing or receiving another gospel. This is not just a, 
minor verse, he is clarifying to these people what the gospel is, how to live in it, and how we receive. We'll talk about some of how we receive in a minute. So this is not just a minor verse. This is not just something to hear once or twice and then move on from. But what does he mention? Curse and blessing. Blessed and curse. Do you realize those are, those are real words? Powerful words. They're not, super, they're not just superstition, are they? You know, they're blessed. Nothing the Bible talks about is just a superstition. In fact, you will find the concept of bless and curse right from the very first chapter of the Bible right to the very last. It's literally in Genesis 1, the, the, what God said to man, it's when he created man, the very first thing God did, the very first thing man heard was, it says, and God blessed them. Very first chapter of the Bible, you got the blessing. Very last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, talks about there will be no more curse. Do you realize that the curse is responsible for every bit of death, every bit of damage, every bit of problem, every bit of misery there has ever been on this planet? There, there, there's a, there is a, an unseen force that is working behind the scenes the spiritual force bringing death and destruction. The curse. Isn't that what happened when Adam and Eve fell? What did God begin to talk to them about then? The curse. Cursed will be the ground. You'll work hard and it won't produce for you. So you, you've got, because blessing and curse are Bible concepts, we need to, faith comes by hearing the word. We need to start building our faith in the reality of these things, recognize there is a very real thing of, of a curse. I'm not just talking about some witch put a curse on you and then people get, or people get concerned about, you know, all kinds of things with curses. What is the one thing you need to know about the curse as a Christian? Christ has redeemed me. From What does that mean? What is redeemed? Sorry? Set free from. Redeemed, redemption, talks about a price being paid to set a slave free. Somebody was under slavery to something, but someone else paid the redemption price to buy them back. That's what redeemed is. Bible says we weren't redeemed with corruptible things. We were redeemed with what? The precious blood. Amen. So when it says Christ has redeemed me, it means he paid the redemption price for my slavery. Why? So that I could stay in slavery? <laughs> that would be a bit of a con, wouldn't it? <laughs> if he paid the price and I still have to pay the price, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> you know, if, if, if you were in a grocery store and, and God told you to bless someone, and you went to the till and you paid for their groceries for them. And then that person got to the till and you're standing there. You, you don't want them to know it's you. You just want to smile and see the reaction on their face. You kind of back a little bit. And, and you, you paid the price. You paid their groceries for them. And then someone, someone, the person comes to the till and the person starts charging them and wants them to pay for it. What are you, what, is it, are you going to be happy about that? 
You're not going to sit there and go, oh, wow, what a, what a wonderful thing. They're paying twice. <laughs> the shop's getting twice the money. No, no, I'm not trying to bless the shop. I'm trying to bless them. Yeah, I, if someone did that, I'd step in and say, whoa, 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 whoa. I paid for those already. Now I'm going to have to let you know who paid. I wanted to do it anonymously, but you're trying to charge them a second time. <laughs> do you know that the Bible says not only did Jesus die, but he was raised from the dead and he became the mediator of the new covenant. What is the mediator? It means it's his job to watch over the covenant to make sure that what he paid for gets enforced. He's watching it. You know, there's no one better to watch over the covenant than Jesus because he knows how much it costs him. He's never going to think it cost me a lot, but you know, I'm going to make them pay anyway. He will never think that because he's the one who paid the price for it. So it says he redeemed us from what? Well, in this one, in this verse, he redeemed us from the curse. That curse, that force that is that was unleashed on the planet. That curse that brings, you know, that every sickness comes out of the curse. Every manifestation of death, things going wrong in your body, things breaking down in your home. People think, oh, it's all just random stuff. No, that, that is the curse that was unleashed on humanity. It's working in the background, bringing doom, destruction, death. It fractured the very fiber of this planet. It's caused weather problems. People think it's climate change. <laughs> Much bigger thing going on than they realize. There are spiritual forces going on in force. Don't worry about it, though. I mean, I'm not saying being irresponsible. People have different ideas on climate change. I, you know, be green. I don't have a problem with that. I think it's good to be good stewards of anything. You should be a good steward of your body. You should be a good steward of the planet. Yeah? It's God again. But do you know that there's a verse in, I think it's Peter, which talks about the earth will wear out like a garment. How many of you ever had garments and they start to get holes in them? Yeah. It's going to wear out. God's already said that. Okay? But people are, oh, you know, but what if, what if, what if the whole planet just, you know, what if humanity gets wiped out? Ain't going to happen because that's not how God sent the it's coming. And he didn't say it's coming by a nuclear war either. <laughs> said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached. You know, believe the word, not what the news media tells you. Yeah, yeah. You can get into fear and, oh, he's going to have a nuclear war. There will be people <laughs> on this planet when Jesus returns. Yeah, yeah? that is a God-ordained plan. I heard someone say it like this. God gave us, he put us on this planet, gave us the responsibility to live on this planet, care for this planet. He did not give us the power to destroy this planet completely. Now, we might cause damage to it, but he never gave mankind the power to completely wipe this planet out so it no longer exists and kill every human being. You realize that? Yeah. Okay? The word of God shows that when Jesus comes back, there'll still be people on this planet. Yeah. So don't, don't get all afraid. Nuclear wars. People say, well, you know, what if, what, if, what if Putin launches a nuclear weapon at the UK? Praise God. Paul said, to, for me to live is to die. To, what, how do you say? For me to die. For me to live is Christ. To die is a big loss. We all lost them. This is a game. He talked about death as a loss. He talked about it as a game. Yeah. Okay? Anyway, I'm getting off topic. <laughs> Christ has redeemed us. Redeemed means bought back from. The price, the redemption price was paid. Like I said, did he pay it so that you also have to pay it? Now, what did he pay the redemption price for? Christ has redeemed me from that curse, that spiritual force that is working 
to bring doom, death, destruction, sickness. The curse, it was meant for me. But what happened to that curse? It went on him instead. He took the judgment. The judgment, the curse that was meant for me, went on him. What does that mean for me? What does that tell you about me? I don't get the curse anymore. And then some Christians will tell you, oh, yeah, but you know, you know, you're living on the world and this happened. No, 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 no. The mediator of the covenant will stand up and say, I paid the price for that. Don't you dare tell me they got to pay for it too. The judgment, what happened? What happened when I received Jesus? Well, one of the things that happened is he became sin for me. That I might be, you want to know the rest of the verse, Second Corinthians 5.21. God made him who knew no sin to become sin for me that we might be made the righteousness of God. You're righteous how? How, how, how in the new covenant, how do you become righteous? Is it by being a really good person? and, and so, No, 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 no. It's not by works. It's how do you become righteous? By faith. Paul says, I want to be found in him, not having my own righteousness, but the righteousness which comes by faith. We're made righteous by faith. So when I received Jesus, I became the righteousness of God in Christ. Any of you righteous? There's some righteous people in here. I'll tell you something about the righteous. Oh, you get a hold of this. The curse is not for the righteous. You go study the Bible. Who, got, who, who gets the curse in Scripture? The wicked, the unrighteous. They, over and over and over and over and over again, the Bible establishes the truth that the righteous are what? Blessed. You go read the Psalms. Go read, go read Sodom and Gomorrah. Someone says, oh, I don't want to read that. It's a destructive story. Oh, no, it's not. What did Abraham pray? Will you destroy the righteous with the unrighteous? What did Abraham know? What truth did Abraham know? Those cities were set aside for destruction. That's a curse, by the way. Doomed for destruction. Had they been set aside for destruction? What did Abraham know? The righteous are not doomed for destruction. The righteous don't get the curse. He said, if there's even one righteous in there, Lord. Well, he didn't actually go that far. No. For 10. But if there were less than 10, God got them out, didn't they? Why? Because they were not doomed for, the curse wasn't for them. Was there a curse all over Abraham's life? Go read it. His life was blessed. Go read the Psalms. Go, the righteous don't get the curse. So the reality is the judgment and the curse that was supposed to be mine went where? Jesus. Now, what, what, what does that mean? I don't have to have it. You don't have to have curse in your body. You don't have to have curse in your finances. You don't have to have curse showing up. Everything constantly decaying, going wrong, everything breaking. What do you get? Blessing. Blessing. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Is that what God has for you? Now let's, 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 I've got so much on this already, man. But let's go to, um, let's go a little bit earlier in Galatians. Someone says, oh, yeah, but, you know, that's nice. That's nice. Oh, yes, you know, 
Uh, it's really nice to know that Christ has redeemed me for the, from the curse, but you don't understand, though. The curse is everywhere. It keeps showing up in my life. I really wish that would become true, that reality. I really wish it would become true. So you're thinking wrong. How do you lay hold of anything that God has provided? Have Jesus? How, how did you even receive salvation in the first place? My faith. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Do you realize that Jesus has been given to the entire planet already? Every single human being. God has already given Jesus to everyone. But how do you get him? You've got you to receive him with your faith. You've got to put your faith in some things. Do you know that you've got you've to take the word of God and, and really... We learn to do this even more. You can just because you, you re, we receive Jesus by faith, but actually you should be growing in these truths more and more. You learn how to get this operating in your life even more from that point forward. You learn the power of meditating in the Word, hearing fully your mind, your heart, your your thinking, your belief system with the Word. This is how faith works. Hearing the Word, building it into your belief system, so that we're not governed by what we see. We're governed by what we believe. And what do we believe? How many, how many, I know not everyone came on the Tuesday night to Zoom, but we did a whole series on this. Remember talking about beliefs and, and not moved by what we see. And you can, the recording's all available. I think there's about 20 of them just toward the end of last year. But what, what happens? You're not, we're, not, we're not moved by what we see. So what happens if you <laughs> see the curse showing up everywhere in your life? And the Bible says you're redeemed from it. What do you do? You begin to make the decision. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm moved by what the word says. I believe what the word says. I'm like Abraham. I'm going to make that choice to be like Abraham. And I'm. I, it doesn't matter. Abraham's body looks as good as dead. And Sarah's womb. But he said, God says we're having a child. You begin to fill yourself with this truth. Establish your heart in it. And then what else? Begin to speak it. There it is. You begin to speak it down. Begin to declare out of your mouth. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I'm not moved by what is even Even though that curse is showing up everywhere. I've been set free from the curse. What happens when the curse tries to attack your body and you get sick? You stand up and say, Jesus took the judgment. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. This curse has no power over me. Because the judgment was taken in Christ. Am I preaching a bit too loud for everyone today? Or I'm a bit excited about it. It's all right. Okay. Sometimes we'll do it calmly, but not today. Christ has redeemed me from the curse. So when, the, when you see the curse, you don't go, Oh, I wish that scripture was true for me. But then you don't mention it. My, my God, my, my body, my, my, my kids. No, no, no. That's not faith. What does faith do? Faith says, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Circumstances, you don't line up with the word. So I'm going to take the word and I'm going to put my faith and I'm going to speak the word. What happens when I speak? What happens when my words speak out what God has said begins to steer things? James steers it into that direction. How long should you say it? If, that's, if you're even asking that question, you're on the wrong boat already. You're thinking wrong. You don't say, how long does I say it? The just shall live by faith. You speak it from today to the day you go home to be with Jesus or the day he comes back. 
You'll ask the question, how long do I speak the word? You make a decision. I will be speaking the word over my life from today up until the rest of, the, the rest of eternity. You set a limit on it. But you know what will happen when you start to speak the word is things will change. When you begin to speak out, Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law. I'm not under the curse. Now, let's go. When I say go, go Galatians, Galatians 3 verse 8. Let's go up a little bit earlier. Let me show you this in the Bible. 3. We'll start in 7 actually. 3, 7 and then go through 8, 9, depending on how much time there is, how far we go. <clears throat> and this is just a few verses later before he says Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Anyone here been redeemed from the curse? Yeah. Anyone here? Anyone here have to have the curse in their life? No. Does the curse have to show up? No. Do you know that? I'll look at this a little bit more later. But James chapter one talks about a, a, an invisible force, and I call it an invisible force. But James calls it the wind, which is driving someone's life. And no matter how much they try to go in one direction, the wind is driving them and pushing them like a wave. They are pushed in the direction the wind wants to go. That's what the curse does to you. James 3 talks about a man who, despite the wind is coming at their life, they are steering using the rudder of their tongue to steer contrary to the wind. That wind in James 1 is the curse. So God. He would have called it God if it was God. He said it's the wind. It's, a, it's an unseen, invisible force that keeps trying to push your life in another direction, contrary to the word. Most Christians think, oh, you know, whatever direction my life is pushed in must be the will of the Lord. That's how most Christians think. If, if something pushes them, it's this divine force that's just pushing my life this way and that way. It's all the will of the Lord. So what the Bible says, the Bible says that's the wind pushing your life. Don't be a wave which is driven, your whole life is driven by that wind in the direction it wants you. Become a ship like James 3 and begin to take faith in the word and begin to steer in the direction God has for you. That curse will try to drive your life where it wants to go. And if you take your hands off the steering wheel and just let it drive your life, you'll end up in all kinds of mess. And then you'll get to heaven one day and you'll realize, I didn't have to. Wasn't what God had for me. The curse is not for me. <coughs> that was a good opportunity to get excited right there. Yeah. Because <laughs> I wasn't just talking about me, I was talking about all of us. Yeah. And I want us to become, this is why we're going to dwell on this, because I want you guys to become, come to the point where you begin to, when things attack your life, say, I'm free from that. I don't, that's the curse. I don't have to have that. And I'm not tolerating it. I'm going to speak the word. James chapter 3, verse 7. Therefore, no. Though, some translations say only, but it's in italics. Therefore, know that those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Is that true? Yes. Yeah, that's true. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you. All the nations shall be blessed. Is that part of what God spoke to, to Abraham in Genesis 12? Yeah. Did God ever just intend it to just be for some people? And they said, all the nations. Mm -hmm. All the nations shall be blessed. Verse 9. This is where we, we'll look at some of the things in those verses another day. But look at verse 9. So then, those who are of faith. Sounds a little bit like verse 7, doesn't it? Yeah. Verse 7 uses that phrase, those who are of faith. He gives you two truths here in verse 7 and verse 9. Verse 7, those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. 
I don't want to go into the whole son-daughter thing. Should it be sons and daughters? Just forget about that. We'll leave that for another DJ. Okay? And don't get focused on all that. <clears throat> but verse 9 gives you now Those who are of faith are what? Are blessed. Blessed. There's the second truth. Where's that blessing? Where does it function? In faith. In faith. What is faith? Someone, do, someone tell me a little bit about faith. We've already said it a few times in the, in, in, in the session today. What do we know about faith? Faith meditates on the word. Faith hears the word. Faith surrounds itself with the word. Gets its thinking, believing in line with the word. Gets its heart established in the truth. And then it begins to speak that. Yeah? Faith is not just some theoretical thing. Well, I received Jesus by faith, so I'm always in faith. No, no, no. A lot of people are deceived into thinking that. They just think they're in faith because that's how they receive Jesus. No, that's how you became righteous. But the Bible, just a few verses later, says the just shall live by faith. Taking it every day. Meditating on the word. Believing the word. Making sure your heart is established in the word and then begin to speak it over your life. This, every time you see faith, think, hear, believe, speak. Amen? Because then you ask yourself, am I doing that? And a lot of people are not. They're just assuming they're in faith when the verse, and they're not doing principles. Okay. Those who are of faith, well, let's say it this way those who are hearing the word, believing the word, and speaking the word will experience and see that blessing manifest. Okay. But where is the blessing? Those who are of faith are blessed. Those who are of faith. Where, where are you going to find this blessing begins to function and show up? Okay. When you're walking and operating and functioning by the principles of faith. Mm -hmm. what, now, reverse. Uh, in fact, in fact, hold your place there. Some of you, if you're in paper Bibles, hold your place or you'll have to come back to in digital. Do you know that Jesus said that too? Jesus said that exact truth right there. Go to John 20. But we're going to come back to Galatians 3 in a moment. Are you getting anything out of this? Yeah. You. you Today's just introductory. Get us all on the same page. But we're going places in this, in this series. Amen? It's time, to get some, it's time to get free from some things. It's time for that curse. It's, it's been getting a hold of people's lives, whether it's in your body, your finances, your family, your kids. You go and read. Not right now. But you go and read Deuteronomy 28. You know the curse. It talks about your kids, your family, your houses, your property, destruction on your livestock, destruction on your job, destruction pretty much everywhere. Doomed and set aside for destruction. That's the curse. Every disease. Every every disease not even mentioned in the, the curse. Yeah. It, it encompassed the new ones mm -hmm. that they find. Well, what do we know about the curse? Yeah. Not for me. I've been redeemed from it. Christ has redeemed me from the curse. I'm set free from it. <clears throat> I am no longer set aside for doom and destruction. I am destined for eternity in the presence of God. I'm destined to be with Him. I'm not. I'm not doomed for destruction anymore. And what do we know about the righteous? The righteous don't get the curse, do they? No. The house of the righteous is blessed. Do you know that that blessing of God, it, the best way to describe it, it's like an invisible force field that will surround your life and, and protect you. Where you will see, doesn't Psalm 91 talk about, you'll see the destruction on the unrighteous, I'm paraphrasing it, but it will not come near you. Does Psalm 91 talk about something like that? With your eyes, you'll see it happening on other people. 
Why? Well, someone someone says, oh, you, a bunch of Christians sound like an elitist club where only you can be blessed. No, 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 you can all join the club. It's free to anybody. But if you choose not to, yeah, curse is powerful. It's not elitist if anyone can join, is it? Yeah. <laughs> but if you choose not to, God, God won't force you to live in blessing. You wouldn't want to, but anyway, that's another thing. He won't force the blessing. He said, Do you want to live in the curse? You live in the curse and make a choice. How many sometimes people say, Well, if God's such a loving God, why does He let things happen? Because you chose for those things in your life. <laughs> and He honors your choice, and that's what love does. People say, If God's such a loving God, why, why does He send people to hell? Let me reverse that question for you. Would a person who genuinely loves you force you to spend eternity with them when you've made it clear you don't want anything to do with them? No, he wouldn't. We call that kidnap. <laughs> How many of you know you get someone who loves someone else, you get a guy who loves a girl, and the girl makes it clear, I don't want anything to do with you, don't, don't even come near me. So he throws her in the van, kidnaps her, ties her up and forces her to stay in the house for the rest of his life, because he loves her so much. Because, of course, that's what love would do. God won't force anybody to spend eternity in heaven in his presence who's made it clear they don't want anything to do with them. Why? Because he loves them. And his love's never controlling love. Yeah. <laughs> yeah? See the, how the world thinks wrong. They think, well, why does he send you to hell? They think the other way around. He won't force anybody. Nobody will be in heaven who didn't choose to be there. Won't force anyone to be in there. Why? Because he's love. <laughs> but that's another topic beside the point. Wait, did you get to John 20? Verse 26. John 20, verse 26. I'm having a really hot preach up here today. <laughs> what do we know about the curse? What do we know about the curse? Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Okay, don't, don't just think, oh, you know, I don't need to come here this series because I, I've heard about that already. I've heard the best of them preach. Believe me, I have too, but, but we need to meditate on it. Amen. I want us to think uh, as a church, as a group, corporately together for our own individual lives and for this church to begin to think like this. Amen. Curse is not for me. I, I, before I got off track, I was finishing there. It says, Psalm 91 talks about you'll see the dis well, basically the destruction. Why? Why will you see it, but it won't come near you? Because you're righteous and you're not set aside for destruction. There's no curse on me. Even though I'm, the curse is happening to other people around me, there's a bubble of protection and the blessing that stops that curse getting through. It's like an invisible force field. Does it mean you won't be persecuted? Yeah, persecution is another, is another thing yeah. entirely. We'll talk about that if, if, well, if we want to. Doesn't mean everyone's going to like you. In fact, they probably won't like you. Some of them will get envious and quite upset that you, that you didn't get destroyed when they house did. <laughs> but also, some of them might say, hold on a second. Maybe, wow, how come yours wasn't knocked down when mine was? Yeah? How many of you know you do not have to have the curse showing up in your life? Do you believe that? But what do you do when it tries to? Take your faith, you take your words, you speak. I'm redeemed from this. This doesn't have any place in my life. Can we build our faith up in this truth more? Yes. Can we bring ourselves up to our higher place? How do, you, how do you build your faith up in the truth? 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. We spend time hearing this. We spend time talking about this. Can we get to the place where that person stopped? And it tries to come in, but it stopped. I believe so. I believe you don't have to have the curse constantly governing on you all the time. Okay. John 20, verse 26. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came. This is after Jesus has been raised. Yeah. Jesus came, the door being shut and stood in the midst and said, peace to you. There's a blessing in that. He might not realize it. He's speaking blessing over them right there. But anyway, then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, do not be unbelieving, but believing. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Now notice his next words. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's, that's faith right there. Isn't that what he said in Galatians? Those who are of faith are blessed. What did Jesus say? Blessed are those who have not seen, yet have believed. Is the blessing connected to faith? Yes. Why do you think one of the reasons, there's probably many, but one of the reasons the enemy has fought good teaching of faith in the church so much? Because it will shut him out. Blocks, you can't bring the curse. Blocks him out. Because what's in faith? The blessing. Amen? And when, I th- when I'm talking blessing, I'm not just talking about finances. I'm talking about God's hand upon your family. I'm talking about God's hand upon your children. I'm talking about God's hand upon, God's protection upon you when, when devastation tries to come. Amen? <clears throat> Let's go back to Galatians 3 quickly. Is that all right? Just for a moment more. Someone says, oh, he preaches long in this church. This ain't a long one. This is a short one. (laughs) This is a blessed church. We ain't having any curse on this church. Amen. This is a blessed church. You know what happens when when there's blessing? It's fruitful and it multiplies. Grows and increases. Not by all your hard work either. You know, it's it's the curse that you have to do all the time. That's what happened to Cain. Remember, the curse, the, the ground was cursed for his sake. It says, basically, no matter how hard you work, it isn't going to produce. That's what people say about the UK. Oh, you know, the hard, hard ground. Okay, anyone ever talk, heard them talk about how hard this place is now? How hard that place is? You're thinking curse. Curse thinking will cause curse speaking will cause curse believing. And will cause curse manifesting. He said of Cain. You'll work the ground. It'll be hard. It won't produce for you. What does faith begin to say? That ground's going to produce for me. We can go to a place where everyone says you can't plant churches there. The blessing of God will cause it to happen. Isn't that what happened to Isaac? Isaac sowed where there was a famine. What began? What happened? Harvest came up. There was dry, barren, hard ground that wasn't producing for every anybody. How many of you know a cursed person or a person operating in the curse can go and try and produce it on ground and they'll get nothing out of it. They'll sweat, they'll work hard. Blessed person will walk in and just throw a bit of seed and it'll just grow. Sprout. Things will happen. Harvest will happen. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, we want more of that. 
<laughs> so we stop all this believing oh it's hard there stop cursed thinking begin to believe blessed bless, bless things <coughs> produce even when it won't produce for anyone else that's why it's a blessed church with blessed people so what do, what do we know let's read galatians 3 9. i'm gonna to have to finish in a minute here galatians 3 verse 9 so then everyone looking at it it's galatians 3 9 so then those who are of faith that's what we just read isn't it mm -hmm. when you get your position when you get yourself functioning in the faith position what will happen blessing and and and, and the reverse as well that the curse will, will be blocked stopped okay now notice the next the next verse verse 10 for as many as are of the works of the law how many of you know that's the opposite of faith? Do you realize you're either doing one or the other? Do you know the Galatian church, this is what happened. They, they received Jesus by faith, and then the enemy tried to pull them back into works of the law. And, and in fact, just a few, this is verse 9, just a few verses earlier, verse 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 of this exact chapter, he talks about how they received Jesus by faith, and now they, they step back trying to be made perfect by the works of their own law. Their own works of the law. Okay? You step out of faith. What is works of the law? It's basically, we could summarize it this way. One way of summarizing it is trying to, trying to get it in your own effort. In your own strength. Trying to earn your salvation in your own ability. Trying to earn the blessing of God in your own strength by, by your merit. Another way you could define works of the law is flesh. The flesh. In fact, I'll show you that probably next week. How do you walk in the spirit? Because this is Galatians 3. It's only two chapters later. He says, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the last of the flesh. Do you realize this whole book works as a unit? They're not disconnected verses. How do you walk in the spirit? Anyone know? You know, Christians debate this. I think you walk in the spirit by praying lots every day. I have a problem with praying, but that's not the Bible definition of walking in the spirit. You know, walking in the spirit is, he, he tells you in Galatians 3 what walking in the spirit is. Just two chapters before telling you walk in the spirit and you're not fulfilled the lust of the flesh. Do you want to see it? Yeah. Tells you exactly what this is context of the book. Galatians 3 verse 1. Jump up a few verses above where we've just been teaching. Verse 1 of that chapter. Everyone looking at it? Yeah. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? That you should not obey the truth. I, I think that word obey, if I remember correctly, in that verse means bring yourself under the authority of the truth. Okay. Before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You see, he's talking about both. <coughs> verse two. Yeah. Yeah. And notice verse 3. Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? You see that phrase? How did they begin? What did he say in the previous verse how they started? Verse 2. He gives you two things. The works of the law and the hearing of faith. He does... He, he does the same thing in verse 3. He gives you two things again. 
And he's not talking about two different things. Look at what he says. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? You see that? Yeah. What does that tell you? He's using these terms interchangeably, isn't he? So he's telling you that faith is in the spirit. And the works of the law are flesh. Do you see that? And he even, got, look at the next verse. Sorry, verse four. Actually, I don't think I've got verse five in front of me. Because um, verse five, I'm pretty sure he couldn't. Does anyone have verse five to read quickly? Yeah. Okay, so verse 2 and verse 4, he uses the terminology works of the law and faith or believing, yeah? And sandwiched right in the middle, he, he, he says, he changes the terminology to in the spirit or the flesh. What does that tell you? What does that tell you? The law, living by the law, living by your own ability is the flesh. And what is walking in the spirit? He tells you, he, having begun in the spirit, how did you begin? How did you come into Christianity? By faith. By faith. How do you walk? This is Galatians 3. This is not, I'm not pulling this out from another, four, you know, 300 chapters apart in another book of the Bible. I'm pulling this out. Galatians 3 and two chapters later, he says, walk. In the spirit. It's the same book of the Bible. How do you do that? How do you walk in the spirit? By walking by faith. I wish I have to make a decision to do that. Yes, well, faith, faith involves a decision. It, it, it involves maintaining yourself and keeping yourself in the faith position every day. Holding yourself in that position where my eyes are on the word, not, what, not my circumstances. My eyes are not even on me and what I can do. My eyes are on the word. What did God say? Hold yourself. Maintain yourself in the faith position. Just a few verses later, he says that just live by faith. And, and what does faith also do? Faith hears the word, hears the word, hears the word, meditates on the word, puts the word in, the word in, the word in. Hold yourself in that position where you are hearing, believing, and speaking the word. And the more this becomes your lifestyle, the more you'll find you walking in the spirit. Does anyone see that? Yes. That's the Bible definition right there. But anyway, I, I need to close, but I wanted to just close on. What did he say? That was a sad thought. Let's just close on this. What did he say in verse 10? As many as are of the works of the law. Well, let's put the other definition. As many as are of the flesh. Yeah? Because does he use those phrases interchangeably? So is it okay for me to? What happens every time you try to do things in the flesh? What, time, what happens when you try to fix the curse in your life? By your own ability. And not with the faith of the word. What did he just say? For as many as are of the flesh, the works of the law are under the curse. What, what, 
What, what causes that curse to get access and power in a person's life? Every time they, when you step out of faith and into the works of the law, into your own ability, your own flesh, and you, you, you step out of the faith position. Does anyone not want that? So why, why is the curse so active in so many Christians' lives if Jesus has redeemed us from the curse? Do you realize that large portions of the church operate their Christianity by works of the law? Legalism. It's all over the church. And what does the Bible say when you do that? Those that are of the works that are under a curse. So what happens? The Christianity is not governed by faith in the word. The Christianity is governed by legalism and the law. And doing me, my works, my ability, my... And then what happens is the curse runs rampant in their life, in their church. And that wind of sickness blows through, driving them in the direction of sickness. They're like, oh, it must be the will of the Lord. And they just assume it's all the will of the Lord. No. What's going to happen? There's going to be a shift in how you operate your Christianity. Maintain yourself in the faith position. Amen. I could I could just keep preaching for another two hours. I got to just sometimes you just got to stop.